We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Eggman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Oh! Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. He steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown. Podcast. John Ellis is my name. Billy Marshall is on vacation overseas, thousands of miles away from the chaos and the excitement that is Panthers training camp. So what we're going to do here this week, this is a Monday episode, August 1st, by the way. Don't know how we got to August 1st, but here we are. We're there. We've arrived on what was a bit of a damp, cool, overcast, unseasonably cool type of August day here. Had a fall feel to it out there. Uh, What we're going to do this week is give you guys a daily episode. So typically what Billy and I do throughout the season is we try to hit two episodes per week, one recapping the games and then one previewing the game coming up that week. We're just going to go nuts this week because we owe you a few episodes. We had a little bit of a vacation last week on the Ellis side. Billy's off this week and I live five miles from camp. So what the hell? Let's do it. Love hearing from you guys, by the way. Any feedback you have, hit us up on Twitter at OnePantherPlace at BillyM underscore 91 is Billy's handle. And, of course, at Blue Wire Pods. Check them out as well. So, today was my first camp experience of this year. And, by the way, thank you guys for supporting not only One Panther Place, but everything we do here on the Roar Podcast. This is now basically season three for myself and Billy, and (laughs) we were texting earlier about how crazy that is that it's already been that long. We started in 2020, did that whole season, the Bridgewater experiment, Mad Rule's first year, the pandemic season. Last year, the Sam Darnold trade and everything that went into that. And uh, this year, look, you've got some, a little bit of star power there at camp, a little bit of a different vibe. So what I'm hoping to do here for the next 30 minutes or so is just give you a little digest. Again, my day today, to give you an idea, I was at practice from about 10, and then practice kicked off officially at 10.30, and then I had to depart around 11.45 for some radio obligations 
on another network, but got a good glimpse at a lot of what was going on there in terms of positional drills, got a chance to see some guys back on the field. Look, J.C. Horn has been reactivated. He's back on the field, off the pup list. Now, we've got some more news on him. Matt Rule spoke about J.C. Horn after practice. We'll get you up to speed on that and give you some thoughts on that. Uh, Day one's always sort of, at least for me, even though they were in full pads, you just get acclimated. You're coming into this as an observer, just trying to find a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that in terms of what stands out. And nothing really stands out yet. Uh, We'll start with the quarterbacks, okay? So, you know, if you followed our Twitter feed earlier, you saw some of the commentary. And again, by the way, the team is, and again, this is not a critique of the team. I'm not taking a shot at them. This is just the policy this year. Uh, It's very tight from a media perspective. If you're a Twitter follower of any of us, whether it's myself, Ellis Williams, Nick Carboni, uh, Anish Shroff, even guys with the team, there there is a pretty strict policy on providing documentation in terms of video, especially video. It's got to be shot tight, shot in certain segments of the practice where they give you the green flag. And then photographs are something that it's sort of understood that nah, during practice, now, you know, warm-ups and then autograph session, go for it. But during the meat of the practice, they, they're not allowing that and even for the fans and you know that's a whole other story but you're not going to get a lot of the same flavor that you got from my twitter feed maybe back in 2019 where i'm out there with the sony alpha mirrorless lens and i'm trying my best to be an nfl films videographer and i'm like on on my belly shooting stuff from ground level i'm just not going to be doing that i'm more into the radio podcast world now and it's just prohibited now they're 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 tied down so you're not going to see as much you're not even going to see as much live tweeting detailed content and that's something that the league as a whole has been sort of scaling back on it's not just the Panthers but there it's just a little sidebar for you there but just to kind of give you an overview of what I saw today and again it's it's not the type of thing you can just dive into and say oh my god their throw sucked, or that throw was spot on. And Matt Corral looks amazing. Put him in. Sam sucks. Take him out. No, everybody had some good moments at the quarterback position and some moments they need to work on. Now, the way practice is constructed, and once again, just full disclosure here, I was there for about two-thirds of the practice today. And, and what I wanted to do on day one is sort of take a stroll around the perimeter. I like to stop at every position group, usually on the front side there, On the hill, you've got Al Holcomb in the linebacker group working right in front of the D-line group. Paul Pascaloni, by the way, former Syracuse coach, he is boisterous. He might be the loudest guy on the field. And and Matt Rule can can carry a note. So (laughs) the first voice I heard when practice started was Pascaloni trying to whip this DL into shape. So that'll be interesting to watch. You watch that group work a little bit and you get a sense of the coaching points, which we can't talk about once again on social media. We can embellish a little bit here on a podcast, but again, can't give away too many details on personnel, packages, whatever. I'll give you as much as I can. Um, It was interesting to see Al Holcomb working with the linebackers. And again, the linebacker group being Littleton, Wilson, 
Thompson. You've got some other young guys as well in that mix. And you're going to see some guys that are hybrid. You saw this with Reddick last year that are technically outside linebackers, but in this sort of three down, maybe you call it a 404 tight formation. You could just go look at some of Baylor's tape from the past. You know, the linebackers are edge rushers in a sense. So you're going to see some edge rushers working with linebackers at times. Even Burns will work with the linebacker group on coverage, you know, drop stuff like that. You move over to the DBs. And again, we started with quarterbacks. We'll get back to that in a minute. It is great. And this is more observational than, you know, clinical to have Steve Wilkes, longtime defensive back guru for the Carolina Panthers, one time Arizona Cardinals head coach who was fired after one season. And talk about not getting the seven year treatment. <laughs> Steve is one of the best minds. And I've talked to a couple of guys before Lou Young. Stanley McClover, other guys around the league who've gotten to know Wilkes a little bit, and even some of the guys from the Ron Rivera regime, you know, Stewart, they, they all rave about Steve Wilkes. And not just guys that were necessarily corners or defensive backs. He is so highly regarded. You can see he has such a great command on that unit, and you can just feel it. It's great to have – and he's been a head coach – and so that's the thing. Al Holcomb has been an interim head coach. Uh, James Campen, I believe, at one point was an interim head coach, the new offensive line coach. Steve Wilkes has been a bona fide NFL head coach before. Matt Ben McAdoo, we'll get to that in a minute, has been an NFL head coach. So, yeah, it's good to have that sense of NFL competency. And again, McAdoo has become a bit of a walking meme for people. I think that's pretty universal. But when you talk to guys like Greg Cosell, Matt Bowen, guys I respect, you know, the real meat and potato guys of the NFL, McAdoo is well-respected in in two areas. Number one, schematics, play calling, developing, you know, an install. And then number two, his quarterback evaluation and teaching methods. He's highly thought of in that department. And – I'll get a better sense of that throughout the week because from what I saw on the quarterback side, it was somewhat limited based on my time frame having to leave early. Now, I did see some of the red zone stuff, and it was fascinating to watch. And I actually heard from last week there was one draw. I think Fowler tweeted this out, Scott Fowler, and it was an unfortunate Cam Newton reference in the middle of it. And I was like, Scott, man, I love you, but but why go there? Apparently, they were doing – I think McAdoo was a part of this. He was actually – well, first of all, he was playing center, and then they were taking snaps from McAdoo. That's the kind of teaching you want to see. And I think they were dropping a ball and having the quarterbacks go for the fumble. Now, I'd want to see a video of that. I want to see if that's put on those uh, big old padded helmets for that one. We don't need a concussion, Matt. Um, it's impressive. The staff, it's, you know, last year I told you guys during camp, you know, for all the grief that the media has given Matt Rule, and look, I've given my share of critique and even, you know, some satire at times on Matt, but I respect the guy from the college ranks. And I made the observation last year during camp that I felt it was a very, it felt like a good NFL camp, but it did have that missing ingredient. You felt Joe Brady, for as much acumen as he has, in terms of route concepts and 
he's got a bright mind. He's got some good designs. He's got some good ideas. But it never felt like he and Matt were on the same page, singing from the same hymn book, if you will. Now, I'd be lying if I said, oh, I went to camp and I could see right away they weren't gelling. No, if anybody tells you that, they're, they're full of shit. But you could sense today, and even from some of the reporting you've seen from last week, that, you know, Matt, and he's made comments about going outside his comfort zone for Joe Brady. He's got a guy now that he can lean on in Ben McAdoo. That is a New York Giants guy, just like Matt Rule was. They've got that, you know, bloodline, that connection. You know, former Tom Coughlin guys. And McAdoo is a guy that, quite honestly, like I said just a few minutes ago, is well-respected around the league. And if you look back at his quarterback evaluations, they've been pretty spot on pre-draft. So uh, I'm excited for Panthers fans about that element. But it's just damn good to see, like, Steve Wilkes. It, it, and, again, you can't reach back into time. I mean, I made the comment when Steve Clifford got hired by the Hornets, bring back John Fox. <laughs> and yeah, it sounds great, and I love Foxy. Of all the Panthers coaches, I would probably say he was right there with Ron as my favorites. Fox is, you know, growing up as a sort of a young adult, post-adolescent, when I was really in my fandom years, yeah, I was all about Foxball. It was tough. It was physical. And then Ron came along, and Ron, I got to know him through the media, and Ron was the nicest guy in the world. So you're always trying to, like, find things that worked in the past and bring them back, and hopefully it's like what they did with Cam Newton last year. I think this is different with Wilkes, bringing a guy back that has a connection to this organization, and I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. Um, there were some interesting clips. If you go to Panthers.com, uh, if you go to the Panthers Twitter feed at Panthers, and even some of the Panthers staffers and broadcasting, our good friend Anish Shroff had a nice video he posted. We shared that. And Anish had a shot of McCaffrey making a cut through a basically a lane my grandmother Pearl, my late great-grandmother Pearl, could have walked through and scored from 80 yards out. <laughs> but some of the blocking especially from Taylor Moten. Uh, It's a plus minus type of situation because I don't know who was on the edge in that clip. It could, it wasn't Burns. It could have been LeVu. It could have been YGM. Um, And it's not a knock on them. Look, it's, it's a game of reps. I mean, things happen. You get good reps, you have bad reps, but this defense, and we'll get to this more during the course of this show is a little bit light in the box. And I guess that's one thing I saw to that play was, man, Taylor Moten can block. Man, the interior portion of that line, whether it's Bozeman, whether it's, you know, the the kid from Los Angeles, Austin Corbett at right guard. Uh, and, and you've got some shuffling going on now. We'll get to more of what Christensen is doing with uh, Iki Aquanu playing with the second team right now. I'm not too concerned about that, by the way. I think this is the right time to start trying things out in that regard and see if one or the other has it in terms of the left tackle acumen. But that clip itself, it was like a wake-up call, like, man, this team under Ben McAdoo and with Matt Rule's general personality, which was in conflict with Joe Brady, let's be honest, even though Joe Brady came from a Sean Payton pipeline, Joe Brady also came from the LSU pipeline where it's 50 protection, it's five-man Good luck, tee it up, and hope for the best. Um, 
I, I think this is going to be a, an opportunity for this offense. Assuming this offensive line in its current form can stay together for it. I mean, it, you know, it's never going to be perfect. Like 2008 was the perfect line. I think you had, God, was it Jordan Gross, Wharton, uh, Khalil in the middle, and it was uh, Kedrick Vincent and Jeff Otal. And I want to say those guys, I don't know if they missed a game together. I know Hand Gardner was a part of the rotation there too. Was that Jeff Schwartz? Was he there? I, I got to go back and look. I don't know. But you need that kind of continuity. Whether it's Iki Aquanu at guard and, and Christensen does the tackle thing, whether it's Christensen at left guard and Iki gets the left tackle spot, I don't care. I, I, I trust Campen and McAdoo enough to guide rule in the right direction there. As long as they can stay together. And then you have Irving and Elfline. And, and you know, Elfline could get a starting gig here. Hell, Irving could. I mean, Irving's played a lot of positions. But but based on their tape last year, Elfline would be better suited at center. Bozeman can play guard. Now, I, I will have to kind of take a deeper look into what they're going to do the rest of this week. But I, I just want to see for you guys, for your sake, for your sanity... A group of five hold together for most of the season. Because based on some of the things we saw today, you could see McCaffrey. And by the way, Dante Foreman got some good reps too. He found the end zone in the red zone. He looks good. Don't go back to the 2018 model where you had this great one-two punch with McCaffrey and C.J. Anderson. And out of nowhere, they decided, okay, it's time to give McCaffrey the workload. I, I liked CJ that season. I, I, I think very highly in the same regard when it comes to Foreman. He's a slasher. He's got some Deshaun Foster qualities about him, and, and he's got some physicality, too, that you like. And he played in a scheme that, that is very similar run-wise where you're going to see some physicality. You'll see some zone. You'll see some gap. But... That line, that offensive line is impressive. It's an upgrade. Because when you take Irving and Elf line, guys like that, and you make those your foundational backup players, that's okay. Those guys have served good teams well in the past in those roles. Elf line was more of a starter in Minnesota in their good years, and he had some good tape there and some tape that wasn't great at times. But he was, I believe, a second team, maybe first team all-rookie as a center with the Vikings 2017. I mean, he's got some good tape out there. And Irving, to be fair, you know, I know he was picked on a lot last year. But, you know, he wasn't the disaster when it came to this line. The disaster was twofold. Number one, the lack of continuity. Number two, the interior pressure. And I, I, you know, guys like Michael Jordan, Trent Scott, you know, they, they're working their asses off. All these guys are pros. But it was, it was poorly constructed. And throwing Sam Darnold into that mix, it almost would have been better in a way. And I know I'm going to piss some people off with this. And, oh, John, let it go. It would have been better to just bring Newton back from the beginning, save your money on Darnold and your draft picks, and let Newton – sort of carry you through that bad line. They could have been playoff competitive because as bad as Newton looked down the stretch last year, the Washington game was more of a barometer of what he could do based on things working in harmony there. And it was on a short week too. 
Anyway, we're done talking about Cam Newton, at least for now. Hey, maybe Cam Newton signs with the Browns. By the way, Deshaun Watson, six games. If you haven't heard, I'm sure you've, like, the rest of the world has heard by now. He's initially, uh, it's a six-game suspension. Sue Robinson has come down. And the the way this is relevant to the Panthers, obviously, and we pretty much see it would be coming, is their week one starter for the Browns, who face the Panthers in Carolina uh, on September 11th, is likely going to be Jacoby Brissett. Now, we've heard Cam Newton's name mentioned. Um, our good friend Anish Shroff once again had thrown out the possibility that, you know, hearing some things around the league, that you could possibly see Cam Newton going to the Browns. Well, I don't know where they are at with that. I don't have any sourcing on that. Um, I would imagine they would stick with Brissett, given the fact it's six games. But it's relevant to the Panthers in, in that regard. Okay, so camp observations. I've told you about some of the coaching things. And we go back through some of what happened in this particular practice session, which once again kicked off at 10.30 this morning. And again, we're coming to you on a Monday here. Um, they, there were some ups and downs from all the quarterbacks. Again, you hate to assign the blame because I wasn't in the best perspective to see what happened exactly. But I saw the plays develop from across the field. And then you go and you see what Ellis Williams and I believe Sheena Quick had reported this as well. And I got some confirmation on this that Sam Darnold was a part of two fumbles that were exchange fumbles, basically handoffs. Um, and that's that's something that obviously you want to clean up. Um, you had Sam working, Sam Darnold, that is working with the ones. And, and of course, you had Baker working with the second team. Uh, Baker did slide in and get some first team reps. So it was a bit of a mix. He had a nice connection to Hollywood Higgins. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. And these are some observations I made about Higgins, you know, weeks ago. And you've seen the tape on One Panther Place. I mean, hell, I pulled all the clips up. They've connected 10 times for touchdowns since 2018. And Baker getting up to speed with the offense. Higgins is a nice target, got some size, got some nice wheels, good hands. Uh, it's going to be a great competition between Marshall and Higgins. By the way, Marshall looks like a guy, I said this on Twitter, he looks like a guy who needs about 75 targets a season. Uh, he looks like Masin Muhammad. Now, I know that, look, that's sacrilege around here. Moose, um, one of the most complete receivers, underrated receivers uh, in this division's history. And, and honestly, you know, team history, he's right up there with, you know, top 10 all time, I would say, in terms of complete package. Longest touchdown reception in Super Bowl history, 88 yards. I believe 87, 88 yards. What was it? Let's go back and look. Uh, and his blocking skills. Moose had that. And that's something Terrace will get with reps in time. They had Marshall working in the slot, and we call that the power slot. So once again, you get, you know, a big six-foot-two frame. They did this with Kelvin a little bit back at, I don't know if you guys remember a game in 2016. It was the, the disastrous season opener against the Broncos. But there were some good moments. I mean, the offense had some good moments in that game. They withstood some of... The pass rush, Cam made some nice throws. And the first touchdown in that game, it's it's much like what they were doing Marshall today in a way. Kelvin had a little more size. I think he was 6'5", but they used him in the slot. And they got good matchups against, you know, safeties, linebackers. And the Terrace, I could see a little bit of that going on today. Um, Baker's got great chemistry with Hollywood Higgins. 
again, you know, DJ Moore is going to be DJ Moore. He looks fine. Robbie looks happy and fine. Everybody looks great. Um, let me once again give you sort of a recap of what happened in the red zone, too. So you had another Sam Darnold design quarterback keep. And and again, it's hard to tell if it was sort of a read option or sort of a power. From my perspective, it was more of a read zone read type of deal. Um, they they like to use Sam's physicality. I mean, this is something that they will call with Sam if he's in the game at any point. And given the nature of these quarterbacks, at least the two that are at the top of the depth chart now, I mean, it's not like they've been without injuries of late. So if Sam, I, again, no, <laughs> is, is Sam going to be the Wildcat quarterback? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm not suggesting that. But if Sam were to have to start in a game this year, and I, I would find it hard to believe that he will unless there's an injury, and I'm all for the competition thing. I think it's the right message to send. But if Sam plays a game this year from start to finish, it's because somebody else is hurt, I would imagine. If that's the case, it's a theme we've continued to see from last year. We saw it a lot in the first quarter of the season. So he had a design keep, a touchdown. He also had a touchdown pass, I believe, to Shy Smith. Who I, you know, I know Shy had some legal issues. I don't know what the latest is on, on Shy, but I'm pulling for him. Um, he's a local guy from Union uh, here in the Upstate, and you know he's having a pretty decent little camp here. Um, again, we talked about Sam. He had two fumbles, and th- those fumbles were in the red zone. And that, again, <laughs> you using my own rule about when I called out the head coach last year about looking at the tape. I, I don't really have a great video perspective on what happened there on those fumbles. I, I'd like to imagine that part of that is just the exchange. It wasn't really that wet at the point, but but when you're the quarterback, you got to make sure you take care of the football. Um, Baker in the red zone was very good today. He had the touchdown to Higgins. McCaffrey got in the mix on that front. We mentioned earlier that Foreman had a rushing touchdown. Uh, and then there was limited reps for the other quarterbacks on the roster, meaning Matt Corral. And, and we don't want to forget about P.J. Walker. P.J.'s had some good moments. He's flashed. Um, the turnovers have been the bugaboo for P.J., and I'm pulling for him too, man. He was a good story back in the pandemic here when he came in versus the Lions and, and kind of ignited the offense a little bit. Again, just too many turnovers. But I think Corral, one thing I noticed about Matt, and this one thing I wanted to do when I first got to practice is getting a good perspective where I could see him just working on his footwork. He's got such tremendous fluidity with his feet. And it's, I'm not knocking Sam. Sam's got some nice traits. I mean, you're a top three consensus pick. You obviously have some traits. Sam's got a nice, strong arm in the intermediate, deep middle of the field. Sam's an athletic guy. Sam can get out of pressure situations and can roll the pocket. And he can throw on the run. We've seen that. It's just the inconsistency. As I've said before, ever since you go back and look at Sam's tape, I don't want to do the ghost joke, but but my thing I look at is it feels like, and I don't want to call out his mental state. It's not even a mental thing. It just looks like when he's in the pocket at times, not out of the pocket, out of the pocket, he's making plays. In the pocket, he looks like he's stuck in quicksand. Processing-wise, footwork-wise especially, and they go hand-in-hand. It's a, it's a change of scenery with Corral. He is the polar opposite of Sam when it comes to 
efficient footwork, tight delivery. And, and I had a quarterback coach one time tell me multi-platform acumen. And it's, I mean, all that means is Delome had a little bit of this too, but not the tight delivery that you see with Corral. Mahomes is the king of it, obviously. And Corral's got a little bit of that flavor to his throw there where you can make accurate throws and you can do it from multiple platforms. So if you're rolling left and you've got to kind of, you know, sidearm that thing, if you're rolling to your right, if you're, you're in trouble and you've got to sort of climb the pocket and whip one in, we've shown you the tape from Ole Miss. He's got a great multi-platform delivery where he can deliver the ball where it needs to go. And that's the most important thing, folks. Talk to Greg Cosell, who a long time ago was told this by Troy Aikman. We talked about this on the podcast. You can do everything right. You can have everything going for you. But if you can't put the ball where you need to put it, you got nothing. And Corral can put it on. He can put it on you. And so I I would assume that what's limiting his reps now is the natural progression of being a rookie who is, you know, not a first-round pick. And that takes some time, some degree of time to get used to an offense that is not the Lane Kiffin system. It is now a Ben McAdoo system, the terminology, the, the you know, but he's doing all the right things. I mean, he's first at practice. He's carrying himself professionally. He's did everything you could ask for. And I, I love watching him whip the football. And it's not just, you know, sidearm, neat, this, that. It's a tidy, compact delivery. And again, I, I like Sam's game. I liked it coming out of USC. But Sam has got some of that Kerry Collins in him. Kerry was a bit of a statue. But the sort of the the delivery, the footwork, there's a little bit of a disconnect between the eyes and the feet at times. And uh, there's not that with Corral. Everything moves in sync. It's not robotic either. Baker is, you know, I don't, I don't know what the I don't, everybody's got a comp on Baker. Baker's just Baker. He's he's laid back. He plays fast. He plays with urgency. He he will make some mistakes, um, but I do like Baker's command. It's been something that's been missing from this huddle for a while. And when you're 20 feet away today and you can sense the command part of this when they're going through drills and they're going through teams and you can get a sense of the competitive awareness as it's been explained to me by coaches before. And I use the word urgency a lot. And I think people get confused. Urgency can mean panic. No, no, no. Urgency is a sense of, okay, let's roll. Let's go. Jake DeLome was an urgent quarterback. Now, there were times where it wasn't pretty. I get that. But I'm talking about, okay, we have a two-minute, three-minute, four-minute drill type of situation. Game is tied or we're down by six or down by four, down by eight, whatever it is. You need a quarterback who's able to step on the pedal, make a few throws that could get you in trouble. Jake was a master class at this. Now, I know he had Steve Smith, but he was without Smith for a whole year in 04. And he was without Muhammad for several years when he went to Chicago, and then he finally came back. Uh, Jake Jake had that ability to sort of, okay, high gear, it's time. And it, it's an intangible thing, but it's also something you can sense. It doesn't mean you have to be vocal, but there, he just, his his feet, his rhythm, his his body language, everything is like, okay, let's go, let's roll. With Sam, my problem has always been, and it was kind of this way with Teddy, even though I think Teddy, in hindsight, was a very 
efficient quarterback for what they tried to do here. It's just the defense had some early stumbles. Teddy was very accurate or very sharp in terms of intermediate stuff. Could process and read quickly. Sam was sort of the opposite. Sam, like I said, he feels like he plays in quicksand sometimes. And he makes throws that just like, why? What, what are we doing here? We're in our fourth year, moving on to our fifth year now. You can't, you cannot do that. Um, and the footwork issue with Darnold has been just abysmal. And I, I'm curious to see if that gets corrected. I, I don't have a lot of hope for Darnold here that it's going to click all of a sudden. I, I, you know, and I have all the respect in the world for McAdoo and Sean Ryan. So will it happen for Sam? I don't know. I, I, I think when you look at what's been infused into this, Newton brought a little bit of this back last year. He tried when that Washington game, there was a little bit of that. And Newton had this for a long time here. And I, I would say until early 2019, when the Liz Frank happened, that camp in 2019, I covered it by the way. And he was electric. That was a great training camp. Norv was the coordinator. They're coming off 2018 where things slid downhill with the shoulder. The arm looked good in camp. And then the foot happened in new England ironically enough. But Cam had that sense of urgency, that sense of, okay, it's, it's go time. It's, I've, got, I've got to elevate my group here. And Baker's done that at times. Now, last year was not great for Baker because, let's be honest, he had a left labrum injury. And as we've talked with others in the league sort of circles here, including Mark Schofield from USA Today, who is a former quarterback in college, um, he's been through a torn labrum. And he made the point, and I've talked to players around the league about this, don't for a minute think that a torn left labrum for a right-hand quarterback is like, ah, come on. No, no, no. It's your torque, your your placement, everything. You're, it, it throws you entirely off. you got to wear the brace. It's uncomfortable. You're dealing with pain. It's it's not pleasant. Now, if it's a right one, they shut it down, obviously. And, and that was the problem with you know Garoppolo is he had a right shoulder deal, and you can't go down that road. But – I just think with, with with what they tried to do with Newton last year, it's not a PR stunt to bring in Mayfield. There's some, there's some purpose behind it. You can see where Mayfield on tape, and I've shown you this at One Panther Place, there have been some, you know, gaffes. There have been some mistakes. You go back to 2018. That was a very good rookie year. Very good rookie year. I believe he set a rookie touchdown record for touchdown passes that year that has since been eclipsed by uh, Herbert. I think that's right. Um, 2019, you know, once again, not bad. But the offensive line took a bit of a dive there, and he his interception numbers went up. 2020 was outstanding. I believe it was 30 touchdowns, maybe 15 interceptions. I mean, that you can – that's the whole thing about the Panthers – that that's 2018 first half of the season for Cam Newton type of trajectory. Okay? Give me 30 touchdown passes, give me about 12 to 15 interceptions and and build a lead with a good running game and have a defense that's built for speed on that fast track they play on now on the other side of the ball, that can get you 10 wins. Shit, if McCaffrey stays healthy, yeah, you're damn right. So, there's some things to like about Baker. If I had to grade them out right now, I mean, it's really early, but I, Baker, to me, is in full command. I mean, I know they're giving Sam the reps, and he's been fine. 
He and, and there's not really too much to pick on for Sam. He's made some good throws. He's done some good things. But once again, it's not as if, you know, you're looking at a, an abundance of tape from Darnold that gives you reason to believe, oh, Ben McAdoo's here, light bulb. All of a sudden, I'm going to figure out how to align the feet with the eyes, and all of a sudden, I'm going to figure out some of the processing quirks that have plagued me for years. Um, once again, I, I'd love to see it. That same thing I say about Matt Rule every damn time I'm on this show. People think I'm a hater. I'm not. I'm just a skeptic. <laughs> just Let's see it happen. I know they're building something. I know Matt's working hard. Now, I've, I've had some moments of, of clarity this offseason in sort of reexamining how I approach this whole exercise. And I don't think I've been brutal to Matt Rule or anybody with that organization. I, I've been, especially the players, I'm, I'm good with a lot of these guys. Marcus Haynes, Davian Nixon. A lot of these guys, we talk to them on Twitter. They're, they're great. Some of the old OGs, Buckner, Deshaun Foster. Al Wallace, I mean, yeah. But, you know, you got to win in this league at some point. And, and this feels like a roster that can do some things. Uh, special teams. I didn't get a chance to see the damn special teams today. I made a note of that. I wanted to get a good glimpse at what was going on there. But I'm excited the rest of this week to get a good look at Andre Roberts, who has been electric over the years. And, you know, every year there's like a there's a signing. And you feel like, ooh, this is a good one, yeah. And then cut. <laughs> you ever? It was mine. Mine was Skip Hicks. Y'all remember Skip Hicks? I believe he played for UCLA back in the early two thousands. And I think the 03 Panthers had him on the roster. I think it was the 0203 Panthers. And I was watching him at training camp and in preseason. I was like, yeah, keep him. That's you got. And he was cut. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> There's always one like that. There was a running back for the Panthers. He was behind Artis Payne. Jordan Todman. Remember that guy? Yeah, Jordan Todman. He was Jordan Todman was like the ultimate Madden player. I think he had like a 99 on everything. Acceleration speed. <laughs> he was the guy that he and Artis Payne ran for like 600 yards at Pittsburgh in that preseason game. <laughs> you know, the the fourth one they'd always it was the 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 Steelers, Heinz Field, Panthers Clambake, the annual. <laughs> That, that was the artist pain bowl and Jordan Todman got in there and just torched Mike Tomlin's third string defense. Anyway, I digress. I, I hope Andre Roberts is not one of those surprise cuts because he's a bona fide return guy. I've seen reporting that indicates that he's running with the ones on returns. Um, I would hope so. You got, you got shy Smith in the mix. Obviously Hubbard's got a role there. Uh, health is the issue, man. Just get through this. Get through this camp healthy. Nothing catastrophic. I like what they're doing with J.C. Horn. Again, Matt Rule spoke with the media after practice today, and it looks as though J.C. Horn will be sort of treated as day-to-day here. Now, he's off the pup list, so there's that. But just, you know, take care of your fine china, if you will. Take care of the guys. And this is the McVay approach. I love preseason games. I think they're vital. Uh, I actually think Mayfield and Corral should get most of the reps in at least that second, maybe third preseason game. I think the second one's at New England or against New England. And and it seems like every year when this damn team plays Carolina in the preseason, somebody gets hurt. And it's usually the damn quarterback. 
in one of those preseason games, I, I think you got to turn it over to Mayfield and give him, I mean, and, and you're starting five at the line. Got to give him at least a quarter and a half of reps. Um, but, you know, McVay has an interesting approach. They established their culture early on in 2017. Winning season, playoff berth, and he's consistently played backups in the preseason games exclusively. And it works for them. Uh, whether that team is at the level, this Carolina team is at that level, I can't answer that. That's a Matt Rule call. But I'll be fascinated because that's the second leg of this. The first leg is pad week, which is where we're at now. You've had your acclimation period, and, and now you're getting into pad season, which is great. By the way, shout out to our good friend Colin Thompson, who caught a touchdown pass today. Steven Sullivan, too. Got some, got some of the tight ends getting some of the action today, too. Um, but that's just a general sort of overview of what's going on from beautiful Wofford College on a, a muggy but nice kind of, you know, 81-degree, not-too-humid day. Uh, we're going to do this all over again tomorrow. Again, we will be reporting at camp every day this week. You can follow me at One Panther Place on Twitter. That's the number one Panther Place on Twitter. We will try to get you an episode every day throughout this week and into the weekend. And then before we know it, we're going to turn around. The Hall of Fame game is this week. Sam Mills, by the way, goes into the Hall of Fame this weekend. And that's near and dear to my heart. And maybe I can give you some of my favorite Sam Mills stories later this week. But it's been fun. Hope you guys enjoyed this look into my day at Panthers camp. I'm John Ellis for Blue Wire. We'll see you tomorrow for another episode of the Roar Podcast.